Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Mina. Mina. Jonathan. Jonathan, I thought you were next to me. I thought you were home. Mina, don't come here. Don't try to find me. I dreamt I was in Whitby, in the churchyard. What happened, Mina? What happened to us there? Lucy, be mine. Yes, Arthur. Yes. But who will look after you if I leave you? Renfield? Why are you crying? I want to be as tall as my master. I am no longer young, and the walls of my castle are broken. Jonathan, my love, where are you? Three women coming towards me. I'm lying down. Their teeth are so white, lips like rubies. Kiss me, all three of you. Now. He is young and strong. There are kisses for us all. The 5th of June, 1897. It was a hot day in the asylum. The heat makes the inmates variously drowsy or irritable. It induces melancholia. Today, my concentration wanders. The inmate Renfield is the sole distraction from my own depression. His hobby is catching flies. No, Renfield, there are too many now. You must get rid of them. But may I have three days to do it, Dr. Seward? Please? Yes. You may. He's turned his mind now to spiders and has got several large ones in a box. He feeds them his flies and uses half his food in attracting them from outside. The spiders are now as great a nuisance as his flies. A fly, Dr. Seward. A big one. Here, in my hand. Renfield. What? It's very good and wholesome. It's life. Strong life. And it gives me life. May I have my notebook back, please? Why do you jot down these single numbers, Renfield, then add them up in batches? <laughs> Why not? Endeavouring not to constantly replay this morning's events, I was feeling finally brave, resolute. I called upon Miss Lucy Westenra. Dr Seward, did Mother want to see you? No, no, Sorry, I gave you no warning. You don't need to warn us. It's not bad news, is it? No, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's more social. Good. Shall I ring for tea? Yeah, thank you. How are your patients? Oh, they're well. Well, not completely well, of course, but... Uh, but well. Well, they're sheltered. Miss Lucy. Yes? I... <laughs> I've come here to ask something of you. Shall I get Mother? She's just lying down. No, no, it's, it's you, specifically. I'm... Are you all right? Yes. You have a bag packed in the hall. I'm going to Whitby with my friend, Mina Murray. I've not met, met her. It's, it's, uh... Um, marriage. Um, would you consider... I, I feel very strongly towards you. Love you. What? Uh, you, you look 
rather shocked. Yes. It, it was a mistake. I'm, I'm mistaken. I, I thought you might... Um, but, but you, you don't. You're, you're shocked. I'm sorry. No, please don't apologise. Perhaps I should have written. I thought the best way was to ask. I should go. You don't have to leave. No, you, would, you wouldn't want some time to, to think about... No, you, you, don't, you don't want that. I'm sorry. Please, no, I, 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 must, I must go. Um, thank you. Um, thank you. And here I sit, locked back in with my mad folk. I shall take chloral in order to sleep. If only it could erase one's incessant emotions as well. How awful for you. It was. Because he's a good man. I hate to hurt him. He's been very kind to Mother throughout her illness. One day, someone will come along and you'll fall. He has. I have. Now. Mina, I'm in love. In love? With whom? Arthur. Arthur Holmwood. You don't know him. You've never mentioned him before. It's all been rather sudden. But it's real. Absolutely real. He's just... It feels complete when I'm with him. And is he in love with you? He says he is. Yes, of course he is. He is. We just are. You just know. You know when, it, when it's real, don't you? Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. His father's Lord Godalming, for heaven's sake. But Arthur's not at all like that. He's just himself. And Jonathan will be back soon. I'm sure of it. He hasn't written for five weeks. I'm very glad for you, Lucy. Very. I'm sorry. Being euphoric. And I know you're so worried. No, you should be happy. I just wish he'd send a word, a line. You said yourself that all things Western slow down after Budapest. Yes, but one can't help but think about illness. The fever's over there. He's sorting through contracts and there's no post. That's all it is. Yes. And, and look, we must celebrate. You're like him, Mina. He's very intelligent and intuitive and funny and he's beautiful. He reads to me. I shall like him very much if he makes you happy. Jonathan will be back within the month. I can sense it. I keep having an image of him trapped somewhere. He's probably drinking beer in some remote inn. No post, but plenty of vodka. <laughs> Possibly. Let's head back. You mustn't get ill again. Third of May. Dearest Mina, I keep this diary as a long letter to you in our separation. Since meeting you, I almost feel as though I have not truly done a thing until I have told you about it. I suspect that in the end, that is what love is. Bistritz was an interesting old place. The Count had booked me into the Golden Kroner Hotel. From there, a diligence to the Borgo Pass, where I would be met. As we left, the landlord's wife approached me. Jonathan Harker, hmm? do you know where you go? Take Christus for mother. Your mother's sick. She placed a rosary around my neck. Not a typical day for a solicitor's clerk. Sorry, yes, a solicitor, as of last week. The beauty was extensive. There was everywhere a bewildering mass of fruit blossom. Apple, plum, pear, cherry. By the roadside were many crosses. 
peasant men or women kneeling before a shrine. When it grew dark, the passengers became excited, restless. Where are we, driver? Borgo Pass. I looked out, but there was no sign of the Count's vehicle. You come on to Bakovina. Return tomorrow. Better the next day. I'm afraid I can't. The Count's expecting me. Let me out here. I'll simply no, wait. No, 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 no. Travel on with us. Look, there. Isn't that a carriage coming down the cliff road? Whoa! Drove at an incredible speed towards us. The Count's carriage stopped. I climbed in. I looked back at my late companions. They crossed themselves. started to snow, gently at first, but soon the landscape was pure white. Around us was a ring of wolves, with white teeth and lolling red tongues, with long, sinewy limbs and shaggy hair. Shoo! Away! The coachman came out and swept his long arms at them. He seemed to have some power over the animals. We travelled on. We kept descending, scudding clouds on the dark horizon. Darkness, and then a haze. I must have slept, and when I woke, I became conscious of the courtyard of a vast, ruined castle. I climbed down and stood in silence. A great door opened. Within stood a tall old man, clean-shaven, with a long white moustache, clad all in black. He stood very still and held an antique silver lamp. He motioned me in now with his right hand. Welcome to my house. Enter freely and of your own free will. He held out his hand and grasped mine. His grip was fierce and as cold as ice. Go safely. And leave something of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula? Yes, Mr. Hargrave. Come in. The night air is chill. You must need to eat and rest. Your bag? We walked up a winding stairway. Your room. I trust you will find all you wish. I washed, then joined my host. Supper was laid out. You will excuse me that I do not eat, but I have dined already and I do not sup. At this moment, a pack of wolves started to howl outside. The Count looked towards the window, intent, pained almost. He leaned across me. I recoiled. Listen to them. <laughs> the children of the night. What music they make. The profound feelings of the hunter. But you must be tired. Your bedroom is already. Sleep now. The 7th of May. I slept till late in the day. Breakfast was laid out. There was a card. I have to be absent for a while. D. In the library, I found a vast number of English books. I read for a few hours. That you rested well. Through these books, I have come to know your great England. A stranger in a strange land, though. He is no one. Come, tell me of London 
and the house which you have procured me. The house is old and big. Good, good. To live in a new house would kill me. I am no longer young, and the walls of my castle are broken. Presently, with an excuse, he left me. I began to read and looked at a map of England. I found little rings marked near London, Exeter and Whitby. Strange that each place pertains to you. I smiled at the happenstance and missed you. An hour later, the Count returned. Aha! Still at your books? Good. But come, come. I'm informed that your supper is ready. The Count stayed with me while I ate. Then he asked questions into the night. Soon I felt the chill which comes over one at the coming of the dawn, similar to the turn of the tide. They say that people who are near death die generally at the change to dawn or at the turn of the tide. Dearest Jonathan, I write from Whitby. It's a beautiful town. If I knew how you were, I would enjoy it. I miss you. I ache for us to be wed, and for life to be both normal and extraordinary. I wonder where you are, my love. I wish you were next to me. Mina. Darling Mina, I hope that you are well, my love. Last night I was talking till around five with the Count. This morning... Well, the details... I had hung my travelling mirror by the window and had just started to shave. Good morning. What? Oh, I didn't see you. Ah. Oh, you have cut yourself. I had not seen him behind me in my glass. He stood next to me now and there was still no reflection of him in the mirror. Oh, the blood. It is trickling down your chin. This is the word, yes? Trickling? It is. Ah, get off me! What are you doing? Oh, why do you wear this superstitious rubbish? It's a rosary. You've hurt my throat. You cut yourself. This is the cause. He hurled my mirror into the courtyard below. There are bolted doors everywhere. I feel like a prisoner. The only possible exit is the windows. When I returned to my room, the Count was making my bed. So, there are actually no servants in the house. It must have been the Count who drove me here. Tonight I leaned from my window. Mina, something was moving a story below me in the darkness. It was the Count. He crawled down the castle wall over the dreadful abyss. He was face down with his cloak spreading out around him like great wings. His fingers and toes grasped the corners of the stones, and he moved downwards fast like a lizard. Tonight he went out again. I explored the various stairs and passages. One vast room was full of dust and ruin. I drew a great couch to the windows. Then, in the moonlight opposite me, were three young women. Their bodies threw no shadows. They approached, and then... I don't remember. The moisture shone on her lips and tongue. Lower and lower went her head as her lips went below my mouth and to my throat. 
hot on my neck, the skin of my throat tingling, soft, shivering touch of her lips, and now the hard dents of two sharp teeth touching, pausing. My eyes closed. Ecstasy. How dare you? Back, I tell you all. This man belongs to me. He never loved. He never knew pain. Yes, I too can love. Now, go. Go. I must awaken him, for there is work to be done. He will give us nothing. He'll leave us to starve. Look, sisters. She points at a bag which he has thrown upon the floor. It's still breathing. It moves as though there were some living thing within it. Take it. Take it. The women close around the abducted child. Horror. Oh. I awake back in my bedroom. The Count must have carried me here. And now a woman in the courtyard. I peer down. Her hair is disheveled. Her hands are over her heart breathless. She cries out for the return of her child. She curses me. Wolves appear and circle around her. A heap of inert clothes and blood. I feel no pity. I know what has become of her child and she is better dead. Tonight I shall escape through the window and scale the walls. Goodbye, Mina, if I fail. Lord, help me and those to whom I am dear. Nineteenth of August. There was a strange and sudden change in Renfield last night. About eight o'clock he began to get excited. I don't want to talk to you. You don't count now. The master is at hand. He seemed utterly transfixed by this idea. He became quiet and went and sat on the edge of his bed. How are your spiders, Renfield? I don't care a pin about them. Mina, the waves are so high. It's incredible. The fishermen say that we're in for a storm. Imagine sailing on that. I can't see the horizon for the mist and those clouds. They're like giant rocks. Look, there's a boat just past the headland. It's rather beautiful. A schooner, isn't it? The wind is making it look rather like a toy, crashing around. Good evening, ladies. Good evening, Captain. We were just wondering what sort of ship that was out there. She's Russian by the look of her. Yeah, it's becoming very still now. I don't like that. Why not? Look. The schooner, it's racing towards us. Faster than any boat I've seen before. It'll crash into the rocks if it keeps up that speed. Seems to be negotiating them as if it had charted them. It's not slowing down the jot. It's coming at the beach. Oh, God. What? Oh. Oh, God save us. Uh, look away, Miss Murray. Miss Westerner, I'd go home if I were you. He's dead, isn't he? Aye, he is. Lashed to the wheel. I've never seen a dead person before. I've seen too many. Could no one help him? Where are the rest of the crew? 
None of them are coming out. Please, Miss Murray, will you take Miss Westenrar and yourself back to your rooms? It's really too... Too awful. His head is swinging with the motion of the boat. Don't, Nina. Let's go home. Look, his hand, he's clutching a crucifix. But the binding cord has cut his flesh to the bone. Please, no more. Is someone else? Or is it... No, it's a black dog. It's half the size of a man. It's jumped onto the beach, miss. It's running off up the cliffs. I feel rather faint. Come, let's get you home. Good night, Captain. Good night, ladies. God bless. I'm weary tonight, and low, if I don't sleep at once. Chloral, the modern Morpheus, no. No, I shall take none tonight. Insomnia, two in the morning. I'm wide awake. Sir, Dr. Seward. It, it's not my watch. It's Dr. Casey's. I know, Doctor, but we need you. What is it, Simmons? It's Renfield, sir. He's escaped. What? There was a loud noise. I looked in and he'd wrenched out his window. He's run towards the Carfax house. He's climbing a tree to get into the grounds. Well, it's just ruins. Gated. Fetch a ladder, three or four men. We'll, we'll get him round the back. He can't get out. Yes, sir. I crossed the wall. I could see Renfield's figure just behind the house, so I ran after him. I'm here to do your bidding, Master. I found him pressed close against the old iron-bound oak door of the chapel. I'm your slave, and you will reward me, for I shall be faithful. We closed in on him. He's in a straight waistcoat now, and he's chained to the wall in the padded room. I shall be patient, Master. It is happening. 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 11th of August. I woke up around midnight and looked across. Lucy's bed was empty. She had unlocked the door. I took a big, heavy shawl and ran out. There was not a soul in sight. I looked across the harbour to the east cliff to see if Lucy was in our favourite seat, in the churchyard. There was a bright, full moon. I could see the ruins of the abbey, and there, on the seat, a half-reclining figure, white. It seemed as though something dark stood behind her. I flew down the steep steps to the pier and along by the fish market to the bridge. Are you cold, my child? Yes, yes. Shall I warm you? Shall I wrap you in a coat of fur? Yes, yes. You must first ask me to enter you. Come, come. Let us never move from here. Be inside of me, always. Good, my good, good child. The dark figure behind her raised its head. I could see a white face and red, gleaming eyes. I go, my love. I ran to her. Lucy was half reclining over the back of the seat. I flung my warm shawl over her, fastening it at her throat with a safety pin. I I must have pricked her with it, for she put her hand to her throat and moaned. Lucy, what's wrong? 
You must come home now. She rose without a word. We are home and Lucy is sleeping. Same day, noon. Lucy looks better this morning, revived. But my clumsiness hurt her. The pin made two little red points on her neck and on her nightdress a little blood. The 13th of August. I found Lucy sitting up in bed, asleep, pointing to the window. I looked out. The moon was behind the clouds. A great bat, circling, then gone. Lucy lay down and slept. I went out for some air. I looked up at our window and saw Lucy. I waved. She did not see me. She was fast asleep, and by her was something that looked like a good-sized bird. Are you a bird? Or a man? I am all things. I am your dreams. Half man, half bird. A bull with feathers. I am all. Give me your neck now. It's yours. Am I yours? Good. I go. When I came back into the room, she was moving back to her bed, but slowly, as though she was in pain. She was holding her hand to her throat. She is paler, and there is a drawn, haggard look under her eyes. 15th of August. I rose later than usual. No news from Jonathan, and Lucy seems to be growing weaker. At night, I hear her gasping as if for air. She refuses to see a doctor. Last night, I found her leaning out the window, asleep. Lucy. Lucy, what, what are you doing? Lucy? Lucy! Lucy! I'm ashamed. Of what, my darling? I don't know. Mina, I do. I'm no longer... I have lost... You're tired is all you are. I'm confused. You're seeing a doctor on our return to Hillingham. No. Yes, you are. Come to my bed. Oh, you're like ice. I wrapped my arms around her. She shivered and started in her sleep... The tiny wounds on her throat are larger than before. The edges of them are faintly white, with red centres. 19th of August. Joy, 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 at last, news of Jonathan. He has been ill, that is why he did not write. He's being looked after by nuns in a hospital in Budapest. I am to leave in the morning and go over to him. I shall help to nurse him and then bring him home. Budapest, 24th of August. My dearest Lucy, well, I found my dear one. Oh, so thin. He's only a wreck of himself, and he does not remember the past few weeks. Mina, there should be no secret, no concealment. I've had a great shock. What happened is written in this notebook, and I do not want to know it. Take it and keep it. Read it, if you will. I put the book under his pillow. 
We are to be married in an hour. Jonathan sat up in bed, propped up with pillows. When he kissed me and drew me to him, it was like a solemn pledge between us. Your ever-loving, Mina Harker. Healingham, 24th of August. Arthur came to lunch. He looked quite grieved when he saw me. You look very pale. Are you all right? I hardly slept, but no matter. What kept you awake? Are you troubled? No, I'm sorry. I promise I won't be a sickly wife. Don't apologise. Why don't I call in Jack? Jack Seward. He'd be happy to come over. Don't contact him. It's just lack of sleep. But Jack's brilliant. He's helped your mother hugely. Don't ask Dr Seward to examine me, please. But he's a friend. Your friend, not mine. Was there a problem between Jack and your mother? No. Why can't you just listen to me sometimes? I, I do. I'm sorry. I just think I'm more tired than ill. What does your mother think? I haven't told her. Mother's in a lot of pain. I'm not going to bother her with a sore throat and a touch of short breath. A throat? You didn't say. Let me see. No! All right. Get your friend in. That's fine. I've upset you. No, never. I'm sorry. You and Jack? Our friends. Ignore me. I'm just in a vile mood. Forgive me. At the request of Arthur Holmwood, I have undergone an examination of his fiancée, Miss Lucy Westenra. Diagnosis, she is somewhat bloodless, but I could not see anemia. The problem seems to be mental. Lucy Westenra, I hope you did not see my hands shake as I took your pulse. So, what are the main complaints? It wasn't I who asked you here, Dr Seward. Although I consider your work excellent, of course. No, I I know. It was your fiancé. Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't know that you and Arthur were friends. Oh, yes. Old friends. So, your symptoms... Arthur mentioned a lack of sleep. Yes. And I have trouble breathing sometimes. I'm lethargic. As a child, I used to walk in my sleep. And when I was in Whitby, I started to do that again. And here, now you're... At home? No, I've not been sleepwalking here. Uh, Cough for me. (coughs) I'm going to put my hands here to feel the rhythm of your breath. Is that all right? Of course. Take a big breath and hold it in. And out. And short breaths now. That's that's good. How how long have you had this wound in your neck? It's just a pinprick. There are two tiny punctures. Two pinpricks, then. It's nothing. I'd, um... I'd like to ask my old master, Professor Van Helsing, to examine you. Would you consent to that? Of course. Thank you. Good. I'm sorry if this has been, um, awkward for you. Um. It will be my sole examination. I'm sorry if it was awkward for you. No, it it wasn't. Um, I'll go now. Will you take some tea? You shake your head. You look so beautiful for those moments. I wish I could make you happy. And I simply can't. I have just held you, listened to your lungs, 
your heartbeat, felt your hair brush against my neck, and you expect me to drink tea and talk about the rain. Dr. Seward? No, thank you. Goodbye, Miss Westenra. Lucy. Arthur is a very fine man. He is. Goodbye. And you leave. I wonder if I shall dream again tonight of the man bird. Lucy. No. Yes. Yes. Enough? I have more. So do I. Many more, you naive child. Three days later, Van Helsing examined Lucy. Life and death, Jack. This is life and death. I will speak further of it when we have time, but for now it is imperative that you come back with me to Miss Lucy's rooms. We went upstairs. When I saw the change in her, I was shocked. In days, her health had seriously deteriorated. She was pale and so thin. There must be a transfusion of blood at once. Is it you or me? It must be me. I went downstairs with him, and as we were preparing, there was a knock at the hall door. Arthur. Jack. I was so anxious. I read between the lines of your letter. Dr. Van Helsing. I'm so thankful to you, sir, for coming. Sir, you have come in time. You are the lover. She is bad, very, very bad. You are to help her. What shall I do? She wants blood badly. We are about to perform a transfusion. Just tell me what to do, sir. Good. Come now. We all went up to Lucy's room. Arthur. Arthur. Darling. Am I so bad? Did they call for you? Not at all. I, I was just... Missing you. Liar. Miss Lucy, I have a draft for you here. To drink. Is it a narcotic? No, just a help for sleep. Liar. Prop me up a little, would you, Arthur? Yeah. I feel drugged already. Is that better? Yes. Now, recite for us a poem. Any poem, a child's song. Who rides so fast through the wind and the wild? It is the father holding his child. The Earl King, he took the child. Mr. Holmwood, your arm. Dr. Seward, please time us with the clock. As the transfusion went on, something like life seemed to come back to Lucy's cheeks. Much blood was needed and Arthur was faint with it. It is enough. You attend him. I will look to her. The narrow black velvet band around Lucy's neck shifted. It showed a red mark on her throat. Van Helsing stared at it. I took Arthur downstairs. Don't just look at the food, Arthur. Eat. You must. 
Is she dying, Jack? No. No, the colour came back to her face. You saw that. But what's wrong with her? We'll find out. But you must keep yourself well for her sake. And your father's. Yes. Yes. I must see if Van Helsing needs me. Of course. Don't hide anything from me, will you? No. I shan't. Lucy slept. We examined her. Van Helsing looked at her neck intently. What do you make of that mark on her throat? What do you make of it? It's two punctures over the external jugular vein. Not a clean wound. There's no sign of disease. But the edges are white and worn, looking as if by some trituration. Friction or, or grinding. Well... That's all I can make out. I must go back to Amsterdam tonight. There are books there which I want. You must remain here and watch. You must not sleep. I shall be back as soon as possible. I sat up with Lucy. Towards dusk, she woke. She looked much revived. Where's Arthur? He's gone to see his father. I assured him you were on the mend. You should rest. Try to sleep more. I'm afraid to. Then it just... Why? You're getting better. You know that. I dread what I'll see. In my sleep state. Why? What have you seen? I don't know. I... I fear it. Look, I'm not leaving the room. And if I see any evidence of bad dreams, I will wake you. Thank you. Then I shall try sleep and like a child as soon as she had given up the will to battle against sleep she went to it oh so suddenly and looked so peaceful her lips were slightly parted and her breast rose and fell with the regularity of a pendulum there was a smile on her face in the early morning her maid came and I returned to the asylum Renfield was steady He had been quiet. For two nights now, I have not slept. I went back to Lucy's to check upon her progress. You see for yourself. I'm quite well. You're worn out. You must stay in the room opposite mine. I shall leave this door open and your door too. I'll sit with you. No, you shall not. I'm quite well and I shall be the nurse now. (laughs) Sleep. And so shall I. Like a couple of old soldiers. (laughs) I smiled at her image of us. I had wished for a much different one. I agreed, for I was dog-tired. Undo the band around your neck. Yes. Yes. I was conscious of the professor's hand on my head and started awake all in a second, a habit I acquired at the asylum. And how is our patient? Come, where is she? I opened the blind whilst Van Helsing stepped over to the bed. What in hell? Lucy was unconscious, white, cold. 
Her lips were bluish and the gums seemed to have shrunken back from the teeth. Quick, bring the brandy. Together we rubbed palm and wrist and heart and wetted her mouth. It is not too late, but we must begin again. I rolled up my sleeve and found a vein. We began the operation. What are you giving her? A hypodermic injection of morphia. Lucy went into a deep narcotic sleep. Now, ready? Yes. I felt curiously proud when I saw a faint tinge of colour steal back into the pallid cheeks and lips. Enough. You took more from Arthur. He is her lover, her fiancé. You have work to do for her and for others. This will suffice. How could Lucy have been drained of so much blood? How? These tiny punctures, they're so ragged. The edges look exhausted, no? Indeed. Where is the nearest telegraph office? About a mile down the hill. Good. So, I shall be back presently. Lucy woke, alert, a few hours later. What happened last night? I feel less well than yesterday. Sometimes you can feel a setback to progress, but you're still making a good recovery. So I simply slept? Yes. Oh, strange. How is my mother? She's not too well, but Lydia is looking after her, and they, they talk a lot. Yes, incessantly. <laughs> good. Thank you, Jack. I felt pride and an acute sadness that my blood was flowing in her veins. Secretly. Van Helsing returned in a couple of hours. Now you go home, my friend, and make yourself strong. I stay here tonight. Good night. I had a late dinner. I went my rounds. Renfield just stared at me when I looked in on him. Silent. He looked pained, sad. The 11th of September. I went over to Hillingham. I found Van Helsing in excellent spirits and Lucy much better. A big parcel from abroad. For you, Miss Lucy. <laughs> this is medicinal. They go in your window, round your neck, and so you, you sleep well. Flowers. <laughs> Boxes of them, just like a star of the opera. There. Beautiful. I don't think opera divas wear garlic around their necks, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> they are from Harlem. Come with me, friend doctor, and you shall help me deck the room with it. First he locked the windows, then rubbed the flowers all over the sashes, the door and fireplace too. He made a second wreath for Lucy's neck. There. Take care you do not disturb it, and do not tonight open the window or the door. I promise. Thank you both a thousand times for all your kindness to me. I came back to the asylum, tired but content. Something about Van Helsing's absolute faith made me feel hopeful, joyful even. And being so close to Lucy, Lucy Westenra, soon to be Lucy Holmwood, yes, well, joy comes and as fast it is smarted or blasted. I heard Renfield talking to himself through the walls. Some banging and shouting. The 13th of September. 
Van Helsing and I arrived at Hillingham at eight o'clock. It was a lovely morning, bright sunshine. Lucy's maid greeted us. You'll be glad to know, sirs, that Miss Lucy is better. I looked into her room and saw her, but did not go in, lest I should disturb her. Good. Very good. I checked on her in the night. She was sleeping so sound, she never heard me come in. But the room was terrible stuffy. I chucked those flowers out and opened a bit of the window to let in some air. Excuse me, sirs. The professor's face turned ashen grey. God. God. Come, come. We must see and act. We must fight him all the same. Together we went up to Lucy's room. Her face had the same awful waxen pallor. Today, you must operate. I I shall provide. You are weakened already. He locked the door. Again the operation, again the narcotic. Again some return of colour to the ashen cheeks. Van Helsing rested now. So, Jack Seward, you did not expect such cases from your medical school, no? (laughs) (laughs) Nor for you to be draining your professor of his lifeblood. Tell me, Miss Lucy, what is she to you? A friend. Ah, well, they are rare and must be preserved. You look in pain, Jack. So I will watch now. Miss Lucy should wake from sleep in an hour, fresh and bright. The 17th of September. Tonight, I was posting up my books, which had fallen sadly into arrear. Suddenly, the door was burst open. Renfield? You. You! Renfield. Put put down that knife. Put it down. Now, you want to go back to the padded cell? No, no! You won't hold me back from seeing him when he comes! Ow! You cut me! Stop! Stop now! I shall punch you to the ground! I mean it! But you... Stop me! Always! You stop me! Doctor! Simmons, take him away. Your wrist, sir. You're bleeding. Yes. It's on the floor. Blood. I'll get a bandage. You you look to Renfield. I will, sir. Look to me. Yes, look after me. Like I was your kitten. Renfield. That's blood. My blood. Get up, Renfield. Do we need the straight waistcoat with you? No need. No need. I'm almost finished. I am overexcited and weary, and I need rest. Van Helsing has not summoned me. Tonight, I could not well do without sleep. A telegram. 17th September. Vos called away. Do not fail to be at Hillingham tonight. If not watching all the time, frequently visit and see that flowers are as placed. Do not fail shall be with you as soon as possible. The 18th of September, Van Helsing's telegram is one day late as it was sent mistakenly to Carfax, Sussex. A whole night lost, and I know what may happen in that time. I was waked by the flapping at the window. I was not afraid. I tried to sleep, but I could not. Is there anybody there? God shield me. Arthur, goodbye. 
not fear, my child. All is pleasure. All, all. I come to you, your neck, your breast. The 18th of September. I drove at once to Hillingham and arrived early. A terrible fear began to assail me. We stopped at the gate and there was Van Helsing running up the avenue. How is she? Did you not get my telegram? I only received it this morning. And I fear we are too late. God's will be done. There was no sound from her room. On the bed lay Lucy, her face white and still more drawn. The flowers were stripped from her neck. The two little wounds looked horribly white and mangled. The professor bent over her, his head almost touching her breast. She breathes. Quick, quick, bring the brandy. Van Helsing rubbed the brandy on her lips and gums and on her wrists and the palms of her hands. She has had put into her veins the blood of three strong men. What took it out? The 19th of September. All last night, Lucy slept fitfully. On waking, she was hardly able to turn her head. She ate negligibly. Her open mouth showed the pale gums drawn back from the teeth. They are longer and sharper than usual. Arthur. Arthur. Don't kiss me. Later... She looked her own self again, but a dying one. We telegraphed Arthur. Jack, is Lucy dying? Yes, I believe so. I cannot conceive of a world in which she is not somewhere. Nor I. You love her, don't you? I do. Yes. Well, who could not? Sit near her. Lucy will know you're there in some sense. This afternoon, a carrier's cart with two men stopped outside. I watched them from my window. They pointed towards Carfax and asked the porter about access to the ruin. Renfield leant from his window below mine. The men departed. Why should they serve when I cannot? Why does he break my heart? <coughs> Renfield landed on the courtyard awkwardly, his foot at an angle. Simmons! It's Renfield! Simmons! We chased him up the road. He ran after the cart, which had on it some great wooden boxes. He rushed now at the carters. He pulled one of them off and began to knock his head against the ground. He's mine! Do you hear me? Not yours! I've waited! I've waited! You won't take my bride! Get off my Simmons! 
Get him! We began to master him. The attendants put a straight waistcoat on. I'll frustrate them! They shan't rob me! They shan't murder me by inches! I'll fight for my lord and master! They got him back to the house and put him in the padded room. One of the attendants, Hardy, had a finger broken. However, I set it all right, and he's going on well. I duly relieved Van Helsing in his watch over Lucy. Her teeth seem longer and sharper, Professor. The canine teeth, yes. Be vigilant. I'll take over at six. Alone I sat with this poor, troubled girl. I went over to the window. There was full moonlight, and here was a great bat which wheeled around. When I came back, I found that Lucy had torn away the garlic flowers from her throat. I replaced them and sat watching her. When Van Helsing came to relieve me, he removed the flowers and lifted the silk handkerchief from her throat. My God, it will not be long now. Pick that poor boy and let him come and see the last. He trusts us, and we have promised him. I went to the dining room and waked Arthur. Come, my friend. Summon all your fortitude. I have none. You must find it. For her sake. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would gladly die for her, Jack. I know. When we came into the room, Lucy opened her eyes. Arthur, oh, my love, I'm so glad you have come. Kiss me. Arthur bent to kiss her, but Van Helsing swooped upon him. Not on your life, not for your living soul and hers. You think to stop it, but nothing can stop it. What, my love? I need, I need it. You shall not have it. Lucy's sharp teeth clamped together. Then her eyes closed. When she opened her eyes again, they were once more soft. She took Van Helsing's large hand and she kissed it. My true friend and his... Oh, God, him, and give me peace. I swear it. Come, my child, take her hand in yours and kiss her on the forehead and only once. Their eyes met instead of their lips, as at that moment she lost consciousness. And so they parted. Van Helsing took Arthur's arm and drew him away. It is over. Poor girl. There is peace for her at last. It is the end. Not so, alas. Not so. It is only the beginning. What do you mean? Just what I say. It is the beginning. Oh, how sweet. How sweet they are. The profound feelings of the hunter. In part one of Dracula, by Bram Stoker, adapted by Rebecca Lenkiewicz, Count Dracula was played by Nicky Henson, 
Jack Seward by Charles Edwards, Dr. Van Helsing by John Dougal, and Renfield by Don Gillet. Mina Murray was played by Ellie Kendrick, Lucy Westenra by Scarlett Brooks, Arthur Holmwood by Joe Sims, and Jonathan Harker by Michael Shelford. The child was Harper Bone. Other roles were played by Christine Absalom, Robert Blythe, and Patrick Brennan. The music was performed by Adriana Feshteu. Dracula was adapted by Rebecca Lenkiewicz and directed by Jessica Dromgool. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.